Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. 2007 was my first big league camp. Um, okay. I think it briefly, I think I, ooh, I'm not sure. I just know that Paul and I had really big numbers in 2006, 2007. But looking at that 2007 roster, that was your last year, correct? It was. It was with the Reds, yeah. Yes, and that was I was actually under contract in 2008, but uh, Dusty released me. So so I was actually under contract and actually had an option year for 2010. And uh, yeah, Dusty, when uh, when they brought him, uh, who was it? Wayne Krivsky. Wayne basically told when he when Dusty came in, he said, you can do anything you want. And he uh, he released me. And he kept Kent Merker, but Merker. Kent two seasons two two weeks into the season had another back injury, and they told him if you uh, if you keep playing, you may end up paralyzed. So yeah, but being paid to not play isn't as uh, isn't as great as it sounds. Right, I always have that argument. I always have that argument with people. And, you know, especially these days with, with social media, you read these comments, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I could be so lucky to just not pay, sit around and collect. I'm like, I wanted to play. You know, if you didn't want to play, that would be great. But I wanted right. to play. If you just wanted to take it to the house, right. fine. You sit around, yeah. you know, pay me. And I feel like that's, uh, yeah, but it's it's not the same. Like, it is a miserable feeling kind of sitting around and not and not playing. Um, yeah. No doubt. So for these, no doubt. Yeah, and especially with these guys, you know, with, with with big contracts, and you know, nobody wants to sympathize with them because they just don't understand. But the amount of pressure that you have when you sign these deals, and then you get, you know, you have a extended injury. So like sure. a Degrom, you know, going into this, like I know that's a big thing for for Ra- for Rangers fans. It's like, okay, we got here, we didn't even have Degrom, and he's just sitting, you know, he's sitting back, you know, collecting a paycheck basically. But a huge paycheck. I can t- I can tell you right now. He's miserable well, in the dugout. He he, no miserable, doubt. no doubt. Injured, going to a World Series. Like you came here for a reason. You came here for this reason. Exactly. And now you have to watch from the dugout. Like that is, that's not fun. Yeah. That's so not I, any- I actually did that. Um, not with a big contract, obviously, but in in nineteen ninety, I missed most of the year. I played the first three weeks, but I went down with a shoulder injury and. Um, Rehab, uh, rehabbed it, didn't take surgery, rehabbed it, didn't take. Uh, so I spent the whole year just watching and it was, oh my gosh, it was excruciating. It was, it was brutal. Cause I, the, the funny thing is when I was an amateur player, I actually said, I didn't want to pitch. Nope. Don't want to pitch. I want to be an everyday player. Um, I'm a baseball player. And I actually even considered myself once I got to the big leagues and I was pitching, I still considered myself a baseball player. I just happened to be one that pitched. And, uh, so it was, um, you know, that was kind of a comical part of my amateur career that, you know, the good Lord blessed me with a good left arm. And, um, you know, that took me, you know, way farther than I ever could have dreamt of, but really didn't want to pitch. I wanted to be a, I wanted to be an outfielder. Yeah. That's awesome. Because that's, that's what we do. We have, we have the best position on the field is, you know, we get out, we get out there and we get to roam around. We got the we got the speed we got the we got the arm, and uh, yeah, and then the the one time the few times a game that we do actually get to make a play like it feels like 
just every eye is on you. I feel like right. routine plays in the infield. It's like it's something that's expected to be made, but the way that the ball goes up, the anticipation to an outfielder getting the ball, yeah, it's everything in the yeah. you know in in a big league stadium. So, but you know, going to the World Series, talking about that, you have you have World Series exper- experience mm-hmm. with the Yankees at a particular time, and I was just um, so quick story that we're, you'll get a kick out of this because I was coming back from the Dominican Republic yesterday, and. Apparently, every scout known to man was coming down to the DR because there's this Cuban kid who's who's supposed to be a seventy million dollar sign signee. Okay, and uh, so it's there's this kid down there throwing ninety seven, and they shut down uh, Juan Marichal Stadium, and that's basically like that's like shutting down Yankee Stadium for 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 a Cuban kid tryout right. down there. Like that is the mecca of baseball. So I I ran into um, Brandon Duckworth on the plane back, and I was asking him. You know, around that playoff time, what was better, the Citizens Bank or the Vet? And for you, World Series and Old Yankee Stadium, you want to talk about, and I think that's, and he said Citizens Bank. He was like, I've never experienced anything like it, any mm-hmm. stadium ever. He's like, it, he said it physically shakes. And even though sure. it's out, you know, it's outdoors and it's a little bit, yep, not so much right on top of you, he's like, it's just an absolutely electric, electric you know incredible experience like nobody sits down he was like mm-hmm. if you're a soccer a football fan or soccer fan it's much like what you see on tv like a real madrid or one of the sure. just nobody sits down people are yelling they're chanting the whole time and i have to imagine back in the day yankee stadium was a was a lot like that it's crazy it was absolutely crazy and they were you know, you go back into the 80s, yeah, there were, you know, the rumors of, of like batteries being thrown and stuff like that. There was none of that, you know, in the late 90s, but there was plenty of verbal abuse and uh, it was part of being, you know, we, we called them in the, the right field. You, in the right field, we called them the, bleed, the bleacher creatures. That's what they were they were there for. They were there to berate the uh, the opposing teams. And your best friend, your best friend, or your worst nightmare. That's right. That's right. Yeah, opposing Stadium. teams' worst nightmare. Yeah, but as a starting player, you do the roll call, and that's one oh, of yeah. the greatest. That's one of the greatest things in sports. Like one as time, a player is, I had it done one time. No um, way. Well, I only had one start. So in oh. the, in the you know eleven hundred plus games I pitched, I only had one start. And it was in 1999. Oh, so you, yep. And there was you a better coin had something. Toss. Oh, so so there a was literal a, literal coin toss. Literal coin toss. And that's awesome. What, what kind of was, coin did you guys use? Well, I wasn't was involved in the. Uh, it was. Oh, I guess, that's no. Tory and Mel Stottlemyre. They were the ones that did it. Oh, and, that's no fun. They should have had whoever <laughs> whoever else they were considering. They should have had yeah. you, and they should have just straight up Super Bowl halftime toss with a silver right. dollar and be like, so "All right." The, the other one, the other pitcher was uh, Jason Grimsley. And so what happened was Romero Mendoza couldn't make uh, couldn't make a start. He was sick. So then Mel Stalemeyer comes up to me and he actually says, he goes, uh, well, we had a coin toss and you're starting today. But he never told me if I won the coin toss or lost the coin toss. <laughs> so I started, went four shutout. Grimsley came in relief, went four one run innings. Mariano pitched the ninth. We beat the Seattle Mariners, Ken Griffey Jr. in the Seattle Mariners. Um, and that's that was my one career start. I never, never started another game after that. That's awesome. So did you prep? So you knew you were gonna have to do roll call. Did you did you prep or you were just like Oh no, I had okay. no idea they were gonna do it. 
And I actually, they kept going and kept going. I had to turn around and at least kind of tip my cap. There you go. They're not going to stop. They don't stop until you acknowledge. Short relievers pitching late in the game. You don't get that kind of stuff. That's, you know, I was, uh, most of my career, I was, I was an offensive lineman. You know, that was, that was my job. You know, the only time I'm going to get caught, talked to is when I missed the block or, you know, hung the slider and somebody went deep. Right. You know, when I did my job, that wasn't a story. So, uh, it, it was pretty cool. It was something that you know, you know I tried to ignore it, but I couldn't ignore it. They yeah, you can't. Stop. They won't let so you. I had, which to, is I had to give them the the little hat tip. Yeah, and that's why I asked you because I'm like, if you're going out and you know they're not gonna they're not gonna let up until you acknowledge them. Like, t- did you have a special acknowledgement? Because everybody's had a special acknowledgement. Right. Like, Gardy had the muscle. You know, yep. Curtis had the thing. Swish had the salute. So it's like, you know to give him a little something, but, uh, yeah. yeah, just like, all right, you're probably just like, but that, oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. I know we've got off to on a tangent here, but to go back to the original question, Yankee stadium of all the stadiums that I played in and listen, you go all the way back to the early nineties, 1991 with the Atlanta Braves, Fulton County stadium was rocking and rolling. Um, you know, I played in Boston. We made the playoffs in Boston. Um, but it's it's nothing like Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium, old Yankee Stadium was old just Stadium. so incredibly unique. Um, you know, the ghosts were real. You know, I, it's just it's just one of it's, those things. Yeah. But if you want to talk about the loudest stadium I ever played in was actually in 1991. And it wasn't Fulton County. It was actually the Metrodome in Minneapolis. Oh, I've heard that that. place. Tiny, tiny little stadium. They put 60,000 people into it. And Chris, we sat in the bullpen basically by ourselves because even in between innings, no music playing, the gray noise was we couldn't talk. We couldn't talk Um, even even without any cheering. So that was the loudest place that I had ever been was was uh, was the Metrodome back in 1991. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, what a time to be alive. Those twins team were were unbelievable with the plexiglass. Yeah, up that's in it. up in up in left field, Kirby yep. Puckett, like just yeah. Legendary. That was the uh, that was the worst to first World Series that we were both the worst team. I think we were both hundred team hundred game lost teams in nineteen ninety, and then we go to the World Series and a game seven and a shutout into the tenth inning of game seven. Uh, Jack Morris, it was, that's right. Before it was finally Wild. decided. Yeah, when when pitcher when starting pitchers were real starting pitchers. <laughs> that's right. When, when men were real men throwing 140 pitches. But that that's a perfect that's a perfect lead-in to what we what we have now. We mm-hmm. have we have two teams that lost over 100 games 2 years ago, 2 years right. ago and the turnaround has been has been incredible. And I don't care what people say about these two teams being here. It's we don't want, you know, we have to we continue to break the monotony and having the Diamondbacks come from where they are, where they are. Sure. It's not like this is the first time we've, we've seen this. Like San Francisco won three championships by getting hot at the right time. They never won the division. They had to grind it out with the Dodgers in, you know, a stacked um, NL West. And but again, you look at around the league and some of the struggles that these big market teams that have spent a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And how these continued investments in the minor league and scouting are paying off for teams like the Diamondbacks. And, we, and Paul and I said it early in the season, listen, if this team can get right, they're going to run people into the ground. They're going to hit homers. They're going to run people into the ground. I didn't think that we'd be here talking about the Diamondbacks in the World Series, but neither neither did anybody. Sure. Um, it's 
you know, it's an, it's incredible. And to have, you know, to see what Corbin Carroll has done as in his rookie year to go um, to a world, to a world series, but also it's also super cool to see Evan Longoria going back to a world yeah, series, right? Probably the, maybe the, the last year, maybe if not, could be you know, maybe next year, but also to have the two contrasting careers there. Evan went as a rookie in 2000, in 2008 mm-hmm. with the Tampa Bay Rays and, and Corbin Carroll as well. Yeah. Super cool. You know, I think you take it one step further when you talk about the Diamondbacks because I witnessed how they ended the regular season. You know, they the, the Astros went into, went into Phoenix and they just kind of wiped the floor with them. I mean, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't hit. They lost four in a row, including those last three against the Astros. Had a day off and then turned around and beat the big bad Dodgers. Now, this was a different Dodgers team, but I'm not going to take it away from them. You know, they did what they needed to do. And we've always said, get into the dance. Once you get into the dance, anything can happen. It doesn't even matter if you're going through the wild card. Yes, it's it's a harder situation, but you still, you know, you get hot. Anything can happen, and and that's you know, and I think you can you can look at both of these teams, but especially the Diamondbacks, and say that that's exactly what happened, you know, because the the AL West was a crazy crazy place to play baseball, especially through September, because it was it was almost as if no one really wanted to win the division, you know, mm-hmm. at one day a uh, one series, uh, you, you know, the Astros or or the Rangers look like world beaters and then turn around the very next series. It looks like it was the first day of spring training. Like they hadn't swung the bat in a couple months. I mean, it was just crazy how it went back and forth, but you got to give it to both of these teams. They've done what they needed to do. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And for them, excuse me, for them to come in and we were discussing, do you think that the, uh, the days off is a, is a curse? Do you think the days off the division winning days off, Excuse me. Sorry about that. I do. The day the days off, I have ar- that's why I've always argued against the wild card series. Is just simply because this is not a sport that you can sit and 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 stay sharp. And it it doesn't matter if you're a hitter or a pitcher, you just can't do it. Um and I think that's what we've seen here. <laughs> I'm sorry, excuse me. Oh yeah. <coughs> My bad. I've got a little cold here, and it's uh, rearing its ugly head. But yes, it, it's one of those it's one of those situations that um, I understand. You know, the one game playoff. You know, the the do or die mm-hmm. is a unfortunate situation. But there's a there's a I want to say a simple. It's a simple answer. It's not simple to do. Win the division. You know, be one of the best teams. You know, the other teams. You just simply. You know, this is what you get. Um, and the Astros, the only divisional team that made it through the division, uh, the division series. And I think that the, the time off definitely had something to do with it. I, I, the one I like to go back to was, I believe was the, when the Red Sox beat the Colorado Rockies, uh, the Rockies had like a week plus off and they were nowhere, nowhere near the same team. Uh, when they finally started playing again. And even in a seven-game series, you know, in some cases, seven-game series, I mean, it is ridiculously long. In other ways, it is incredibly short. And that's mm-hmm. what we saw in that series, that once they got down, the Red Sox got going, it was over. Yeah, that's it. And 
you know, and it varies. It's, you know, you sit around, you can do a live game, you can do live BP, you can sit in on pitchers. It's not remotely the same. Baltimore had fans, you know, they had a couple thousand fans come out and watch, but it's still not, you're not turning. That switch doesn't go on. You don't have and, the adrenaline. I mean, it's like, it's like playing spring training games, you know, yeah, that's, exactly. that's really what it's like. Now, does it help? It does, but it's limited. You know, it's not any way. Sh- and we saw the Atlanta Braves, uh, you know, Brian Snitker talked kind of at length at the process that they went through, uh, trying to stay sharp and it didn't work. Now there's another side of that. I think that they also kind of psych themselves out by going through that process instead of, you know, Hey, this is, this is the situation we're in. We're going to have the pitchers throw some live BP. Our hitters are going to get some live ABs and we're going to go with it and kind of, and kind of more. play it, you know, a little bit cooler, you know, Mm -hmm. laid back more instead of that grind, grind, grind. And then all of a sudden, when you get to game one, that's what you're talking about. You know, you're not talking about the series. You're talking about the process you tried to get to uh, get by those days off. And I think that they, the Braves in a way kind of psych themselves out. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I would have to do a fact check. I wish I, you know, had my fact checker over there in the corner, (laughs) like, um, you know, like, I'm, you know, I'm on ESPN or something, but it, I think it would have been the first time, the first time in history that no division winner had advanced that yeah. all four teams. And especially, you know, like you said, the two world beaters, the Braves and, you know, Braves and the Dodgers and having, you know, who was on a, his, you know, historic run to get knocked out. And I, you know, I said this last year, I'm like, this is, this is a real thing like that. When you start talking about historical wins and historical seasons, I'm like, you guys want to be very careful about that, especially when it comes to baseball. Yeah. Because if you weren't paying attention to sports last year, guys, teams that went wire to wire that had historic seasons, it was not the year for them no. last year. Boston well, Bruins. It usually isn't. It usually isn't. Yeah. I mean, this, uh, you know, the teams that kill, you know, kill it through the regular season, most of the time they don't win. I mean, uh, we, I, I went to my, Chris, I went to my first old timers day in Yankee stadium in September. It's the first time I've been back. We were celebrating, uh, 25 years of the, you know, arguably, in my opinion, the best team to ever walk on the field. And that was the 98 Yankees. And yeah, we, you know, we won 114 games in the regular season. Then you get into the playoffs. Now the pressure is real. Now everyone has a chance. You've walked away. We 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 clinched like in the end of August. I mean, that's, that's how bad we just ran away from the American League East. And um, it was a little different once you got into the playoffs. Now all of a sudden, the the uh, everything's everything's wiped out. And uh, you know, we end up crazy numbers. But um, you know we had our we had our our trials and tribulations there in the postseason, but that team we ended up one twenty five and fifty was our overall record seventy five games crazy. over five hundred yeah and that San Diego series you guys swept San Diego yeah but you know three of those games were tight games right. you know before Tino Martinez hits the home run off Mark Langston that was a tight game I mean there were you know it wasn't like we just walked away from everyone in the playoffs and the Cleveland Indians, I think it was Cleveland Indians gave us everything we wanted, you know, because that was, that was really the heyday uh, of baseball in Cleveland. That's when, mm-hmm. you know, they had, they had, you know, Manny and Tommy. The and, yeah. They they, just, yeah. Just but crazy. They, they also, 
and there was that period of time where they set the they set the consecutive sellout yeah, record, and it was forever, something man. It seemed for like like 180 yeah. games consecutive, which is yeah. at the at the Jake. I mean, it's really impressive. I was there in, in a in a small in such a small market in Cleveland, right? And I remember they they brought that up, and you know, it's like you know, somebody comes out, um, throws the first pitch, and they're showing highlights, and you're looking right. at that lineup, and then you're looking around the stadium, and you're just like, my God, can you imagine? Can set 180 days, 180 yeah. games. That place was rowdy too. That rowdy. place got That's rowdy. What I heard. Yeah, yeah. So while it's unfortunate we don't have those rowdy teams, because I do love a good rowdy team. I don't. I'm not necessarily all for what comes out of the mouth of people in Philly or New York. Fortunately, I never had to go back to New York and have that because I, yeah. I I felt like I had earned my stripes being there, being in New York for 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 two years and playing mm-hmm. right field. I always had a, you know, I always had a nice hello to, to right. bald Vinny up there. Who's, who's the ringleader. Yeah. And, um, but going into, you know, going into Philly, I was convinced seeing that energy. It's like, nobody's going into Philly and beating that, beating that team. And I said, when the diamondbacks, I'm like after the probably like midway through the second game, I'm like, Arizona has to get out of Philly. They just have to get out of Philly and they have to go home and reset back at home because they they can't match this energy. They have to they have to reset because yeah. it's just Philly well, Philly will do that to you. And to tell you the truth, you'd look deeper into that series. The way that series started, you know, the Diamondbacks were nowhere clear and were nowhere near as good as the Phillies were. I mean, they were hit no. every time they touched the ball. The ball went out of the ballpark. You know, uh, Wheeler shoved. Aaron Nola shoved. I mean, these guys went out and dominated, and then you gave all the you get all the energy from the stadium itself. Um, I I I thought that the they the Diamondbacks really had to do something special just to keep from getting swept. But mm-hmm. you know, I'll tell you what, uh, Fott did a great job of shutting down that offense, and it turned the whole series around. Then they go back, and it's like you know the Diamondbacks were like a different team, where they were tentative early in the series, mm-hmm. they were cre- four stolen bases in each of the last two games. I mean, that was their – that's that's their forte. That's how they would score runs. Uh, whereas early in the se- early in the series, we saw them tentative. They didn't want to steal bases. They were kind of sitting back on their heels. Yeah, and that's – and I, I've said it like they brought – they're indicative of bringing the game, the overall game of baseball back – that we've missed over the last 10 years of analytics have taken over and they have benefit benefited mightily from the new rules. But because of that, you're starting to see more, more real baseball. We had, um, uh, Perdomo, Perdomo. Yeah. Drag bunt, push bunt, stealing bases. And I'm just like, this is, I love this. I, this is baseball. That's old school national league baseball. Old school. Love (laughs) old school national because that's, that's, that's how I came up. That's the only thing that I know is in, you know, being, and I was a leadoff hitter, you know, throughout the minor leagues. So, you know, it's, you know, drag, push, drag, push, and, you know, stealing bases, getting people in motion. And I love, I love seeing that. And that, that was the difference is when you can grind that out, you can steal second, you can steal third. All it takes is a little jam shot. That's two run. That's two runs right there. And those were, those were manufactured Sure. as opposed to where, you know, Philly just kind of, you know, they didn't, they weren't, they just wasn't the same game. Right. And them 
you know, relying on the homers, like you said, everything they hit went out of the ballpark um, to these guys, just, just grinding it out. And I, and again, all these reasons is why I love seeing the Diamondbacks. I love seeing Longo um, back in the world series going, because who would have thought like, why go to Arizona? You know, who would have yeah. thought? And, um, but Texas, and we said early that, that eventually everything is going to go through Texas. This, the world series is going to go through Texas, whether it's Houston, whether it's, it's uh, Houston. And I thought that Dusty was going to pull one more rabbit out of his hat on yeah. his way out. Cause I was really hoping that he was going to, and he did what I thought he would do. I was just hoping he'd have another ring where he'd win that ring and we could send him, you know, he'd sail off into the out. night yeah. with another ring. The storybook hey, ending. I'm, I'm f- the storybook ending that we all want, that we all want for Dusty. And you're there. Um, and I, it's funny that we start this off with Dusty releasing you, but you know, again, back to that 2017, you Merck, Paul, like all these super veterans yeah. as a first, first year big league guy, um, the influence that you had on the, that you guys had on the young players, like that's everything you could ask for, for your, in your big league camp. And then 2008, when Dusty left, Dusty is that rolled all into one manager. And that's why I think people love people love him. Just the personality, his experience, being on both sides. You know, it's just he's a di- right. he's a different cat, as I'm sure you know. Well, I mean, what, what is what is his biggest attribute? And we're talking about Dusty. The dude's cool. The dude's cool. He's got the wristbands on. He's, he's got the, the cool glasses. No doubt, no doubt. And um, you know, does he have a unique managerial style? Of course, he does. Every manager does. And, you know, the, the situation that Dusty was brought into in 2020, um, it was to say it's chaotic, I think is probably an understatement, but it was exactly what the Houston Astros needed. They needed someone that didn't have anything to do with the organization whatsoever. And Dusty even said it. He goes, I don't know what happened here. I wasn't here. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, but it was what they needed. Uh, they needed a, 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 big name, a big personality to sit at the end of the bench. Now on the other side of it, Dusty came into a really good situation for him because mm-hmm. it wasn't a team that he had to put together. You know, he could just sit back and let these dudes play baseball because this is one of the best teams in major league baseball. And you know, they rewarded him. You know, Dusty is now, I don't think uh, this is just my opinion. I'm a small Chris. We haven't talked about this before. I'm a big time, small hall guy. Okay, I am not, I don't want everybody in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I don't think Dusty was a Hall of Famer prior to coming to Houston. Dusty is a Hall of Famer now. I mean, he's moved up on the list for wins. He's got that championship. You know, he was a great player also, but I think he was going to fall a little bit short up until he came down here to Houston and uh, wins a championship and, and continues this run that this uh, this franchise has been on. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been an incredible run. So fortunate to to play under him for you know for four years, and um, you know it's unfortunate that he that he went out this way. But again, like you said, it's a hell of a run where the 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 great all time personalities and player right. and player managers. And Dusty is one of those guys where I, I never felt like he really got into the. There was never a question to where analytics were taking over Dusty's decision making, much like you see here in LA, where Dave is getting so much flack oh, yeah. over the decisions that are made when it comes to 
when it comes to to to, to crunch time. Yeah, and Dusty kind of knows he's that, got that old school feel, um, but he's able to take in the information, but also read his players. Yeah, in a way, and talk to him and understand them, and kind of you know the guys that need a little you know light light the light, light a little fire into their ass. He's got mm-hmm. there, and in the other ones, you just you know kind of roll up on you. Right. Hey man, you just hey I brought you some food. Like he just knows. He's just that guy. Sure, he knows when to light a fire under your ass, and he knows how to settle you down and 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 get you back on your game. Well, that's I mean, what is a manager? I mean, especially you know a manager in the playoffs. Are they really doing that much? What right. they're really doing more than anything else is they're managing people. They're ma- managing mm-hmm. personalities. You know, I say you know pitching coach, managers, pitching coach, hitting coach. What are they? First, they're amateur psychologists, and second, they're firemen. <laughs> They're putting out fires. That's the and and it's not not literal fires, but it's fires inside the players. And yes, you have to find out the personality and get the trust of your players. You need to know, you know, who do I need to pat on the back and who do I need to kick in the butt? Because you can't use the same approach against two different uh, against uh, different players. Uh, and, and that's how you have to go about this. You know, ultimately, what are you trying to do? You're trying to get the player to get out of his own way so he can go out and he can perform at his optimal. And sometimes that is a big time daunting task. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Dusty has always been known as a, a player's manager because tells great stories, you know, doesn't really best. hold a grudge. I mean, there's just so many things. Uh, that that Dusty does extremely well, and baseball's going to miss Dusty. I mean, uh, you know, he's been such a big personality for fifty plus years in this sport. Uh, you know, you just when someone like that retires, the whole sport's gonna is going to grieve it. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Dusty story? I really don't. I mean, I didn't have that much contact doing pre and post game yeah. for the Astros. I really, like I said, didn't have that much contact with him. Um, you know, I wasn't, I'm not part of the media that is all over the players. You know, yeah. I played in New York on both sides for so long. I played in Boston. You know, I played in some of the hardest um, uh, cities there there is in Major League Baseball to play in. And I know that, listen, if I needed to talk to somebody, okay, I would go talk to somebody. Other than that, I'm not just going to hang out just to hang out. So uh, I really didn't have that much contact with Dusty or AJ Hinch, for that matter, even before Dusty. Right. And speaking of that hangout to hangout, we're talking about the the Brave series and what it, I wanted to get your take on this. And because of exactly that, the Arcia comments that came out that you know weren't meant to leave the clubhouse, right? What's your take? What's your take on that? And I, and there's a fine line here because that's exactly it. Like you can't just be hanging around and taking things out of context. Like that is that's a no fly zone. Anything yeah. that's said within you know between teammates that's not official or on camera, it's not something like you just kind of eavesdrop. Right. You can't be putting putting that type of stuff out there. No, what you're doing is as the as the uh, the member of the media, you know what you're doing is you're you're shooting yourself in the foot. Because now you are oh, going to get nothing from talking anyone. You. you know, even every team I played on, there was always situations like this that happened. That you know, somebody said something, or I, the big one was we have a team meeting, and by the time the doors open, media comes in, and they're ma- they're asking specific questions about the meeting itself. In New York, one time we actually had the clubhouse guys like check under the couches. 
to make sure that there weren't some kind of recording device or something like that. Because every time we had a team meeting, you know, five minutes, five minutes after the meeting's over, we're getting questions being asked about the meeting, like specific questions. So it happens everywhere. It's unfortunate that it did happen. And you know how players are, especially there's a superstar players. And we're talking about more than anybody else. We're talking about Bryce, Bryce Harper. And a lot of times those guys need additional motivation, you know, that, Mm -hmm. you know, just being in the playoffs and being in the heat of the moment isn't enough. You know, they need that chip to play, to play well. And there was, there was, there's been a bunch of those guys uh, that in in the past that, you know, (laughs) jokingly, I say they kind of have an altered um, view of reality. You know, they have their own world and, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll, if they need to, They'll make something up in order hey, to, to to get on the field and be ticked off, be pissed off. It's my so they favorite can play part with. of the last dance. My favorite part <laughs> of the last dance. My right. favorite part of the last dance is the the wild stories that Michael would make up in his head. Right. And they were like, yeah, that that didn't even happen. Like he didn't even say that. They were talking yeah, about like, yeah, many, some young rookie Gary, came back. Gary Sheffield and... was one. Oh, you know, really? Sheff- oh, my. Yeah. I used to. Yeah. He was a guy that that needed to be angry. And if. He didn't have some, something to be angry about. Well, he'd just make something up. He would just get himself mad. And that's, you know, I mean, uh, the swing speaks for itself. I mean, that is not right. a swing of a guy violent. that is, oh, that is an angry, angry man when he was hitting and he needed that anger. There's a lot of guys that were like that. Yeah. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. 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 And I took that personal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So for the so this series, so who do you got? Diamondbacks, Rangers. Well, where, where I, do we I, go from? Where do we go I'm from here? I'm still, I'm still, um, I haven't, I haven't picked a team yet. Okay, uh, I think you have teams that are in very different situations. To me, if the Rangers are going to win, they're going to have to slug. They're going to have to hit. Okay, they're going to have to do what they did against uh, against the Astros, uh, just simply because. Uh, I don't think they have the deep enough pitching staff, uh, whether it's the rotation or the bullpen. I mean, there's like five pitchers that Bruce Bochy trusts. You know, it's this is a complete, this is a way harder job for Bruce than it was back in San Francisco. San Francisco, mm-hmm. dude, he had a a pin full of dudes that just went out and dominated every move that he made. He had the Midas touch. Well, that's not the case now. I mean, you have a couple relievers that, uh, and Aroldis Chapman is not one of them uh, that that he really trusts, and he's got two starting pitchers. You know, I think that for the Rangers to win, uh, uh, Montgomery and Nathan Evaldi, those dudes very well may have to win four games between them. Okay, yeah, and they're going to have to. That's what go I was deep. thinking. Now, on the other side. For the for the Diamondbacks, you know the Diamondbacks are going to have to really rely on the pitching. They're going to have to rely on the aggressiveness on the base pass. Yeah, they have some power, but that's not their forte. That is not what's going to happen. They're going to have to you know steal bases. They're going to have to take the extra ninety. They're going to have to do things the way they've been doing, but it's completely against everything that you know baseball is. You know the trend in baseball over the last we'll even say decade. Mm-hmm. You know, um, with all the analytics, they're going to have to go against that. Um, so it, I think this is going to be a fascinating situation 
because the Rangers are going to have to slug. They're going to sit back. They're going to try and hit the ball out of the ballpark, and the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to um, they're going to have to manufacture and they're going to have to pitch their rear ends off. Yeah, couldn't. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth because I'm you know I'm at a loss. I just feel like it could go both ways, but exactly what you said. It's like once you take the two starting pitchers out of, you know, out of the fact, you know, out of, you know, take them into the factor and then right. you get into that bullpen. And like you said, there's only a few, there's only a select few arms, but what I did like the other night, rather I didn't necessarily agree with the, the, uh, the pitch calling with the young, the young lefty that came in that who only had 10 regular season games, but the right. fact that they have an arm like that coming out of the bullpen at, with that type of trust you know, take away the the, the bad three two three two um, uh, curveballs in the dirt, but he was dominant before that. Like sure. lefty lefty, they they stood no chance. So having a guy like that that can come in get three to six outs, like that's a huge piece. And then you have your you know you have your regular guys. So like you see, it's gonna be it's gonna be a battle of attrition. I feel like yeah, yeah. No, no there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I don't think any either team is in a situation that they're just going to run away from the other team because, uh, you know, if, if I had to look at it, you know, what we, you know, one of the old sayings in baseball, you know, good pitching beats good hitting. Well, if that's the case, I think you have to give the advantage to the Diamondbacks because, you know, they have a deeper staff. Their bullpen is throwing the ball extremely well. Whereas on the other side, the Rangers, they have a couple guys that are throwing the ball pretty well, especially in their rotation. But, you know, they're just, you know, they're just going to beat teams into submission. And, and that's not usually how you win World Series, but you never know. So I think this this is going to be a fascinating uh, series of two completely opposite approaches on how to win baseball games. Agreed. Yeah, it should be a fun one. No doubt. Mike, no doubt. Mike this, was, this was awesome. Um, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it, you know. Well, uh, Yanni's not here, but uh, we appreciate it, man. This is going to be this is going to be a fun series, and uh, like I said, just uh, your knowledge is coming from where. I mean, you couldn't. You are the ideal guy to have this conversation with your time in New York and in the in the playoff experience that you have. So, looking forward to this series again. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate appreciate you having me, and um, you know, been a long time since we've been able to hang out. So it was good talking with you. All right, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.